Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, the monthly podcast series brought to you by the team that produces Global Cosmetics News. 12 months ago, who would have predicted that the next celebrity expose would be germ confessions? Take Stella McCartney, Brad Pitt and Mila Kunis as just a few examples out there in social media land. Indeed, some industry experts believe that exposing oneself to dirt and germs can strengthen, not harm the individual's overall health and well-being. And it is my pleasure to introduce you to some of those germ experts now. Hello to Harold von der Hooven, Product Design and Development at CLR. Hello to Dr. Elsa Jungman, founder of CEO of Elsa Jungman Skincare. And hello to Marie Drago, founder at skincare brand Galileo, and also to Jeff Briggs, technology scout, skincare innovation at Number 7 Beauty Company. Welcome, everybody. Glad to be hello. here. Hello. Harold, let's start with you. With regards to ingredient sourcing and innovation, what are the key social drivers influencing the microbiome category in cosmetics? Now, what I think is that the modern consumer, younger generations especially, are very much more preventative than older generations and consumers in the past. They're much more health-minded. They're much more communicative on social media and uh, in general. And basically, this is the group of people, the Generation Zs, the Millennials, etc., who I think show the most interest in healthy skin, in clean beauty, in the skin microbiome in that context as well. So I think that's the biggest social driver for skin microbiome skincare, basically. And Elsa, prevention, is that key to your brand? Uh, yes, absolutely, because our approach is around the less is more. Uh, and talking about minimalism and how to do less for your skin. So what we explain to our community that is made actually mostly from women who are like millennial, Gen Z, and even older generation is about trying to understand their skin, respect their microbiome before even trying to apply any product. And Marie at Galani. Uh, yes, so we talk a lot about prevention or like for us, it's a lot about protecting what's already there. So it's a lot about gentle cleansing and respecting your current microbiome before trying to add any cool ingredient pro or prebiotics. And we've got, uh, we see a lot of social driving at the moment from all these celebrities that don't want to wash, but um, so dirt is always really good to drive or start a conversation. Uh, I was thinking about uh, the French guy in space, uh, Thomas Pesquet, who was also talking about his skin microbiome and how it was impacted by just living in space. And at the number seven beauty company, Jeff, there's lots of very interesting things coming out from you guys. There are. We're a big company. Things take a bit longer for us than they do for small companies. But we are looking at this. We've been looking at this for several years now. And products are starting to come out and, and to be launched. And, and social driver wise, I think just at the moment, we've got to face it, COVID has had a huge effect on this. We have an understanding, perhaps, of science. We have an understanding of bacteria and germs. We've had this hand washing aspect or hand sanitizing aspect, which has also kicked in because along with that, there is the understanding that perhaps constant sanitization is not good for your skin. And one of those purposes or reasons for that is killing off the skin bacteria, those things which are supposedly working for us. 
masculinity again is here. So I think these are all social drivers in that these are these are what's happening at the moment. This is what we're seeing. This is what we're talking about. And what happens to the public understanding the skin microbiome at the end of this, I don't know where it's going to go at the moment. But I hope, I hope it has a positive effect and people understand it a little bit better. And talking the public understanding of germs, Harold, what are the digital drivers assisting the ingredient sourcing and innovation for the microbiome skin category? On this, the well-known search engines, uh, for a start, obviously, I think the consumer, as Jeff rightly said just now, COVID has played a hugely important role in consumer awareness of uh, something which is known as science and all the things uh, they have had to deal with uh, in the COVID times has made them look for solutions for problems which uh, were caused by things which they had to do, like wearing masks or, or hand hygiene, etc. I, th I think there's lots and lots of magazines who have a big internet presence uh, who have been talking about the skin microbiome uh, in, in nice ways, in appealing ways, appealing to consumers, in younger consumers especially, explaining what the skin microbiome is about and how important it is for their skin, especially in the context of sensitive skin maybe. Uh, big brands like Nivea, Dove, Lancome, L'Oreal, La Roche-Posay, all those brands have been actively communicating about it. Uh, YouTube uh, videos on, on there which explain the importance of our bodily microbiome, not just the skin, but just our body who essentially lives in symbiosis with the microbes in and on uh, us. And I think consumer awareness grows and grows and grows when it comes to uh, that. And I think that these are the drivers behind that. And are digital drivers affecting your brand, Elsa? Yes, absolutely. Just like Harold said, what I've seen that's been very interesting is that I think there are like two categories of like influencers and celebrity, either the, the ones who are really into using a lot of product, who have no issue with that with their skin and don't really care about having a microbiome or a skin barrier to respect. And the other category is the total opposite who will promote not to wash, really go on the lessons more. And just like Mary said, to, to let your little bacteria live on your skin. Uh, recently in the United States, there have been um, an episode on Netflix called Explained. In 20 minutes, it explained how important the microbiome is and how with like a minimalist approach, it's the best to protect it. So it's been great because more and more experts now are actually using digital tools to educate about the microbiome. And I think about two dermatologists, one in Canada called Dr. Scott Nicky and one in the US called Dr. Whitnebo, who are both have been for years talking about the skin microbiome, but I feel now even large companies like Netflix are actually using their content to promote it, which is a, a very positive shift. And do you see digital drivers as positive, Marie? Is there any negative news out there? Well, it's like everything, but especially in digital, uh, fake news or bad news goes a lot faster than the truth. So um, there's a lot of anti-science uh, sentiment at the moment. And like, it's interesting when you see um, science influencers, which is now a thing, like you've got science influencer in beauty, which is amazing, uh, but taking a bit of heat. 
But I have to say, like we, for me, what I see in France in particular over the last few months is a lot of digital content being created around science in beauty and in cosmetics. Uh, and that's really good. So you've got influencers trying to explain molecular biology or how a product is made, or what is a toxicology report per product, how ingredients are good or not good for you. Uh, so that's interesting how science-backed stuff suddenly is quite cool in digital uh, after years and years of uh, clean beauty. So um, yes, for us, it's been a driver and brands like Galine that are really talking a lot about science, we see a really positive impact on that. And at the number seven beauty company, Jeff, science has always been a driver. How do you control the digital tools out there and getting the right science out there? to consumers so as you say we have always been very big on that and we do have a digital platform of our own we do have our own websites we do try to put the information out there but our consumer is is perhaps not so so tied into the the standard digital platforms but saying that we have and obviously we have other people have started to look at digital in a in a bigger way i've you mentioned the social media side but there is also the the digital diagnostics people are taking selfies and these days the technology is good enough from a selfie to start doing skin analysis and people are doing that people are doing the apps to look at what ingredients are are in a in a product and what they're good for and whether they work and the side effects of them and these are things that we have an opportunity to control and I think it will be in the near future, those digital apps, things like Perfect Core that do it and, and Modiface, these will start moving into, rather than just doing the very visual analysis, they will start to be able to see what's going on underneath the skin and the microscopic on the skin. And you'll start to be able to see your skin microbiome from a selfie to some extent. And as soon as you know it's there and you can see differences, then it's going to become more and more important. If you can't see it, then you don't know it's there, you ignore it. As soon as you know it's there because you can see changes, then it's going to be something that people are going to take notice of. And obviously this is something that we are looking at as well in the same way. Interesting. And talking about seeing changes, Harold, what are the environmental drivers impacting ingredient sourcing and innovation for the microbiome category in cosmetics? I think uh, there's two aspects to microbiome, skin microbiome, and let's say consumer interest in there. I think the most important one being uh, the basically we're living in a contaminated or polluted environment. Most people live in, in or at least worldwide, live in cities, uh, polluted cities most of the times. Uh, the psychological stress involved there as well. Uh, basically, we know that people who have different skin microbiome from those who live in, in the countryside, and I think consumers understand that there's a correlation between where you live and how you live and uh, your health, uh, your psychological, but also your uh, physical health and the health of the skin microbiome. You know, look at ind indigenous Indians in, in the Amazon uh, rainforest where they seem to have no problems at all with their skin and a totally different microbiome than we have in, let's say, the Western world or the industrialized world. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, another thing, I think, is just global warming. The environment changes, literally, not just, let's say, a warmer environment, but also in some areas, at least, a more moist environment, meaning 
a higher risk for skin infections. And I think this is something also the consumer is starting to realize that global warming, yes, they realize that it's there and it is a problem, but it will also have implications for the climate they live in, not just the temperature, but also the humidity and rainfall or even very severe rainfall. And I think these kinds of things will also trigger this awareness uh, further. And at your brand, Elsa, what are the environmental drivers impacting it? I think the minimalism that is really correlated uh, to to be trying to you know have a more like a, a wasteless uh, lifestyle, I would say, was really one of the of the driver of our customer. Actually, when we started, we didn't talk so much about the microbiome because that was something that was still very difficult to educate about. Uh, for people who had never heard about it. So talking about less is more, less ingredients, being more respectful of both the environment and the skin was something that resonated a lot and still does today. So that's that's very interesting because when you try to be actually more respectful about the environment, it actually happens to also be more respectful of your skin, which is a, a great correlation we've observed in the in the research and that we, uh, we want to continue to push and uh, we see more and bronze um, having the same mindset, which I think is really great because this is where it needs to go to use as product developer, to really use less ingredients, promote using less product. And thanks, I would say, to Clean Beauty, one of the good things about Clean Beauty is that it pushed brand also to be more transparent and think more about the environmental impact of their formulation, but also their packaging. Um, so everything coming together with the microbiome, I think, really draw for like more like a respectful product of both the environment and our skin. And talking about innovation, environment, and mental sourcing, Maria, at Galilee, you just launched some new products. How did that affect the development process? Uh, well, that's interesting because Galilee, we are not really, I wouldn't qualify as a natural brand. Like we use natural ingredients whenever we can, but I'm a good little chemist, so I put uh, synthetic ingredient also without any problem. The whole supply chain has actually been hit by uh, supply problems directly linked to global warming. Like we sourced some natural ingredients that didn't like the fact that last summer was too wet. So uh, we've got an uh, interesting um, supply uh, problem. And also when we launched, so we just launched a face oil uh, with very innovative ingredients. So we've got prebiotic lipids, which is quite rare so far in cosmetics. So we were really happy with that. But that's the active ingredient. And around the active ingredients, it's true that we started to select our other ingredients based on the sustainability of the ingredients. So it's natural ingredients, but how do they affect the planet? And I think it's a nice conversation that is starting to happen in beauty, which is like natural is not always good, neither for you or for the planet. Uh, so more and more, we look at the sustainability of each ingredient that we include. So for example, we use oat oil, which we know is nice and sustainable. Jojoba oil is nice because it prevents deforestation and things like that. Uh, but yeah, like all this conversation about is natural products, are they good for you and are they good for the planet? I think it made us really think about every single ingredient we were putting in our product to be good for the microbiome, but also how to develop products that are also good for the planet. And the answer might be synthetic ingredient and not natural ingredients anymore. And at number seven company, Jeff, 
sustainable ingredient sourcing? Is this a big issue or what are the other environmental drivers impacting your innovation process? So yes, we have a sustainability policy. Yes, we are going for sustainable sources. Yes, we, we do a full check on everybody that we get our ingredients from, such as Harold over at CLR. We do do a full audit of these companies, and if they don't meet our requirements, then we don't buy from them. So sustainability for us is huge, obviously. Now, we have a problem to some extent that B, we are selling internationally, which means that we have different regulations depending on where in the world we do it. And also, if we are supplying to Asia and America and the UK, we have the question of do we manufacture locally or do we manufacture in one site and, and ship it out? And this is a, a sustainability question as well, because this is obviously a, a transport question. Where is it best to get these things from? Interesting. So talking about supply chains and regulation, local versus global. Harold, how are government policies aiding and abetting ingredient sourcing and innovation for the microbiome category in cosmetics? Well, the whole COVID thing, you know, with wearing the masks, which was a policy or is still a policy in many countries, including the country I'm living in, in many places at least, uh, hand hygiene it was also a policy get your hands disinfected as much as you can, more or less, has led to consequences for people's skin and uh, problems most of the times and awareness of something going on there as a consequence of uh, wearing the mask. Uh, maskne is a, is a well-known or at least often spoken about phenomenon. Uh, hand hygiene is not just drying out skin, but people understand that there's something going on with the skin ecosystem, so to say that, which is definitely not helping in the quality of the skin of the hands. Uh, so that's definitely policies which have had implications for consumers and probably in the positive sense of the word, maybe implications for the skincare or the microbiome skincare market where people have, are, have become more aware. And as far as government policies, when it comes to sustainability is concerned at CLR, we focus a lot on fermentation where we don't get any raw materials from nature or natural resources and and basically have a lab-based ingredient in the end, which we ferment, process, and in the end put in bottles ourselves and then sell it to our customers. And that, that is something we try to do as sustainably as we possibly can. And I think that is something which government is definitely pushing and that's where we think we are very well established. We have the right equipment and are continuously investing in, in better and, and more efficient equipment as well. So I think that's another very important factor. And over in the States, Elsa, what are the government policies aiding and abetting your brand? Um, I feel that in the United States, is, uh, the government is quite uh, quite flexible when it comes to microbiome innovation. And I saw it in the past when I actually worked at Boverdot and Aobiome, that was the first company to have a live probiotic in product. And uh, as long as it was shown proven to be safe and to not use any medical uh, claims, uh, that was fine. But when I, I went to Europe to present the same product and technology uh, in France, uh, there was a real backlash against it from uh, from some 
some people in the in the industry. So that that was interesting to see the difference of like mindset when it comes to microbiome innovation. Um, today, I would say it seems like I mean I'm not an expert in regulatory, but the, that 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 the government is the same. They were questioning a lot about claims around the microbiome if that should be considered as a medical claim or not because you're like changing the skin in a way. But I haven't heard anything recent regarding that. I think as long as you keep the, the boundary like quite clear, like not making medical claim and not pretending that your product is a, is a drug, if it doesn't have like a, an FDA approval, you, you seem to be fine. And uh, Galilee, Marie? Uh, for me, like what I noticed a lot uh, in the last months is uh, like industry professionals coming together to get clearer definitions about what are we talking about exactly when we talk about probiotics, prebiotic and postbiotics. Uh, so the association, there's a body association of probiotic and prebiotics that just gave their new definition of postbiotics, which means that uh, with Galine, we are going to comply and talk less about probiotic and more about postbiotic, even if it's not always what uh, I agree on. And I also noticed, especially coming from Asia, we've got much more like the government in Asia are asking us to prove uh, our claims on microbiome friendly. Uh, so to back up this kind of claims with data while still being a cosmetic product. So that's good that we now can test and we can prove this microbiome friendly thing in a nice way because you can see the government catching up on that and asking you to back up your claims a lot more than before. And for number seven beauty company, Jeff. So claims are obviously the big thing for us. You know, if you can't put a claim on the side of the pack, if you can't differentiate it, if you can't prove that it works, then people won't buy it in mass. And claims are always going to be difficult in this space because the regulations haven't really caught up yet. You know, Marie was talking about the definitions of probiotics and prebiotics and postbiotics. And it is still, as far as the EU is concerned, probiotic is not a term that is allowed. And that's on ingestible supplements. That is, that is not skincare products. We have the problem that a probiotic, by definition, is not only live, but also has a health benefit, which means that, in theory, we can't use that for a cosmetic product because cosmetic can't have a health benefit because if they're a health benefit, they're not a cosmetic. So we have problems with our claims in how do we say what we want to say and how do we prove that these things have the advantage that we can? And it is always going to be difficult to negotiate between the, the medical regulations and the cosmetic regulations. And this is worldwide, especially when you have different regulations in different countries and each have their own way of proving things, and their own way of saying you providing the evidence for you to convince them that you're allowed to say what you want to say. So would you be looking for standardization? I would like more definition, I think. Standardization, not so much, but better definitions. In the microbiome space, we are still working on the gut. The gut is the main place that regulations are born, and the gut is, is not the same as the skin. It is so different as both an environment and a function that concentrating on the gut, and the gut needs the work. The gut science is, is there, and, and the regulations haven't caught up with gut science yet, which means that the regulations are nowhere near good enough for, for skin science at the moment. So let's talk about skin science, Harold. What could, should the microbiome category in cosmetics look like in 12 months' time? 
Well, that's a question, eh? Um, science will evolve very, very slowly. So in 12 months time, we won't be wiser. We will be wiser, but not uh, wise enough for us to understand causal relationships between microbial cells and human cells, you know, uh, trying to influence or influence each other and the, the real, the nature of that influence and, and so on. We will not understand that in 12 months. Uh, we won't understand what are good or bad microbes uh, on the skin in 12 months' time. Everybody's talking about good versus bad. That's easy to understand for, for consumers. But is a good bacterium always good? The def you know, by definition, it isn't. So it's very difficult to come to definitions when it comes to that. Basically, what I would like the industry to do is not think so much about the microbes or the skin as different entities but see it as one entity as, a, as an ecosystem essentially because that's really what it is the skin is an ecosystem where human and microbial cells live together kind of and interact uh, we don't know the nature of the interaction uh, and and we we know that we should leave them in peace as much as possible we know that there are some changes here and there when skin becomes sensitive or aged or diseased and all these kinds of things but what i would like is that we're starting to think more about the skin as an ecosystem and basically look at it at that way so and as far as i'm concerned if you look at nature nature as an ecosystem and and you know in that context species which get get endangered most species get endangered because of the fact that their habitat changes or uh, the, the habitat they need is gone uh, so we can take that species put it in a zoo and then feed it with a prebiotic so to say that's all very nice and good but the habitat is much more important get it back to into a habitat and then basically get that habitat uh, up and running again first and then put the species back what i mean to say is I think the habitat is much more important than the microbes. If the habitat is there, the microbes will be there. If the skin is healthy, the microbes will have a healthy composition or at least a not unhealthy composition. It's very difficult to define health, of course. So that's something I would like the cosmetic industry to think more about ecosystem. The skin is an ecosystem and that's the consumer understands the word ecosystem and likes the word ecosystem. So it's definitely a word which can resonate and be used uh, as a marketing word, I would expect. And for you, Elsa, an ecosystem, is that the future of the microbiome category? Yeah, I would say ecosystem cluster. Uh, us, what we did is that uh, a few months ago, we launched a pilot where we've been analyzing the skin microbiome of, uh, of volunteers before and after they used our product for one, uh, one week, just to see the impact of microbiome-friendly routine and minimal routine on your skin microbiome. And what we aim to do long-term is to really understand the science of minimalism behind skin health and seeing uh, Let's say you 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 identify with having like a, a dry skin uh, that uh, that tend you know to change during your cycle. Do you have a specific microbiome profile that is attributed to you versus someone who maybe has oily skin and tends to break out? So we are right now doing all that analysis, and in the future we will be focusing more onto that because I believe that once we understand clearly. Uh, what the ecosystem look like depending on your skin profile, we will be able to address even better what kind of ingredient, routine, or product also to avoid each cluster should be doing to really respect a, a, a personal ecosystem.
And Marie, ecosystem, is that the future for Galilee? Um, that's an interesting question. Yes, like of course for us, we've got like uh, the whole communication around your body, the planet. So it's all about translating almost the planet ecology as something that you can also translate as a body ecology. So really seeing how you can preserve your own planet, let's say. Uh, but for me, like the future of the microbiome at 12 months, it's going to move maybe out of skincare a little bit because you can see that the market is ripe because now you see more and more skincare brands launching only on the microbiome. So you had a couple of them launching um, one or two months ago. But I think skincare was the start. And now we start, need to think about everything else that we formulate in beauty. So for example, hair care is a massive untapped market for me. Uh, we also, I, I'm really passionate about everything related to the gut skin axis. And at Galinée, we just launched an oral care category, which is really successful for us. So skincare is the easy first step, but I think now that the market is a bit more mature, uh, we are going to see more categories being launched with microbiome products. So new categories and ecosystems, Jeff, is that the future at the number seven company? So new categories, possibly not. You know, number seven beauty company is known for doing what it does. And so getting outside of that is always going to be difficult. You know, Number 7 Beauty Company does make Number 7 products, Lizell products, Botanics products. It makes these products which are known as skincare products. They're not really known as scalp care. If you're going into oral care, then you're not in, in the, the beauty side. Again, you're, you're then into the Boots or the Walgreens healthcare side of things. So for Number 7 Beauty Company, I think it's always going to be skin where we work. But ecosystems, yes, of course it's an ecosystem. And the advantage is of considering as an ecosystem is that this allows us to make use of the microbiome to analyze how good the skin is and what type of skin you've got and you're looking at personalization there there are companies that are starting to do this sequential skin for example does a, a skin microbiome analysis Jivadan has starting to look at this space lab skin have got their lab skin club and these are starting to do what the gut microbiome has been doing you know, you take a gut microbiome, you do your fecal sample, and it says, these are the bacteria that live in your gut. This tells you how healthy your gut is. And there are companies now that are starting to do that for the skin. And these are out there and they're available. And I think that is good because you're not looking at your causation correlation problem, which is always going to be a problem here. But if you look at it as a whole, as Harold says, if you have a healthy skin, then you're going to have a healthy microbiome. Therefore, a healthy microbiome would suggest you've got a healthy skin. And you can look at it that way, work out what is healthy for you as well. And I think that is where ecosystem is. I think that's going to be the biggest step forward in the next 12, 18 months is going to be looking at it in that way. There's going to be a lot of brands out there that start having a microbiome claim of some sort on the side of the pack, if only the microbiome friendly claim. I don't think we are ready for the true innovation in skin microbiome yet, but it is coming. But I think the next step is going to be the consideration of it as an ecosystem. And if it's good for your microbiome, it's going to be good for your skin. That's something that the public can understand. And with that, I would like to thank all my guests, Harold, Elsa, Marie and Jeff for joining me today and to you for listening. 